Today's TribCast is sponsored by WeWork. The Creator Awards are rolling into Austin. This is your chance to win funding for your next revolutionary idea. Apply by June 12th to pitch or nominate at creatorawards.wework.com. Also, the Bullock Museum. The quintessential one and only exhibition on blues legend Stevie Ray Vaughan has come to Austin at the Bullock Museum through July 23rd. Learn more at thestoryoftexas.com. Texas talking, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking, ah, oh, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are in Texas talking. Hi, this is former state representative Steve Toth. Hey, don't you hate it when someone answers their own question? I know I do. Anyhow, enjoy this week's TribCast, and here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here on the first Wednesday of June with your Texas Tribune TribCast, our weekly podcast about the biggest stories in Texas politics. I'm joined by executive editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. Political reporter Patrick Svitek. Good morning. And investigative reporter Edgar Walters. Hey there. You guys are a little low-key this morning. I'm ready. No, let's talk. All right. Well, why don't you start by telling us how ready you are to spend um, the entire second half of July and first half of August in the ATX? I'm excited. It doesn't entirely conflict with my vacation plans. If I have to be, <laughs> if I have to be working, I'd, I'd prefer to. Be that sounds like a, what 181 legislators uh, special say. session. I yeah. think I actually looked at the calendar and saw that the first week of the special session, you are on vacation for. Oh, just for one day. Just for one day. Oh, good. Yeah, right. yeah. There's, so there's, I guess there's slight overlap. Just, just that day they do the sunset bills. Yeah, right. First little issue. Yeah. Right, well, why don't you guys fill us in? So Greg Abbott had a press conference yesterday, uh, much anticipated. What did he say? And there were a lot. Of things. Why don't, why don't we try to do in 30 days 20 issues we couldn't do in 140 days? <laughs> exactly. So right? what were I mean? So basically, he said what he said. He, he said he gave he, them kind of an ultimatum. He, right? he basically said, you know, there's one issue I want out of you guys, and it's this, you know, solve the sunset issue. These five agencies that will otherwise die. And if you do that, then I will open the door to 19 other issues that are on, you know, various conservative wish lists. Um, but before he said any of that, he came out with a, a pretty stern reprimand, right? I mean, he sounded like the angry father. Yeah, the right? principal. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he kind of repeated, you know, this was a line that he had used earlier. You know, I don't understand why they didn't do this. You know, when he was signing the ride-hailing legislation right. yeah, it was here in Austin, of those comments. it was, you know, basically, you know, this... It's not like this was going to be hard to do. They just didn't do it. You know, and he did sort of scold them, though. But Edgar's it was, right. Like, but it was clear when Dan Patrick was doing this in the first place that it, you know he said, you know, look, I'm going to hold this hostage unless you pass these bills. And they didn't pass these bills, and he held the hostage. So is this Greg Abbott holding a hostage, saying, so I'm not going to give you all these other red meat issues that you want unless you get this bill off the table first? You know, it's an eat your vegetables moment, right? So how do, I mean, how does that work, like in practice? Okay, so Patrick, well, I mean, Patrick felt I his think mother's voice Patrick, on him. We can get to this, but I think Patrick it's funny doesn't we're, like we're, vegetables. We're I've this. seen him eating Cheetos. <laughs> I think it's funny we're portraying this as these are issues that uh, people, by and large, want to get to at the Capitol. Um, <laughs> right. For, for some, even for some Republicans, this is like eat your vegetables, and then we're going to give you even grosser vegetables. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, right. Here comes the I, cauliflower. I, you know, not all Brussels sprouts right, to come. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I don't think all, 
all Republicans are, are excited to get to those 19 items. No, in fact, many um, of those. So. All right, well, okay, so we'll talk about strategy in a second. What are some of the lightning round? What are the 19 well, issues? Hold on, let's pull up. Well, these. there are the two no, issues on, that Dan there. Patrick had pushed for a special Talk session slowly, for property for taxes and a bathroom bill. Right. So he gave, you know, Abbott gave Patrick that, but then he had 17 other items, which included school finance reform, uh, what he described as school choice for a special needs students, um, a number of anti-abortion measures, a crackdown on uh, mail-in ballot fraud. Um, so it kind of, you know, a lot of it is our longtime conservative priorities. Some of it's you can classify as unfinished business from the, the past uh, the past session, things that had momentum but sputtered out at the end. Um, so I think that's probably the way to. He had some and weird kind of a host of local issues. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Maybe just because I'm a nerd about this stuff, maybe I'm the only one who cares. But I couldn't tell. There if are a lot of nerds who listen to this trip, cast. <laughs> think of yourself as a mayor. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like either he was coming out as a sort of free market urbanist, very much like right. people should. Yeah. Well, go ahead. No, I was going to say I I interpreted that theme on the list as you know a distinctly Abbottian flavor to the special session. Abbottian? You know, because if there's kind of, you know, if there's a crusade that he's been on this session, it, it's been, um, you know, against local control on some of these issues or against these ordinances that he says override, you know, his mm. version of the uh, the Texas model. Um, right. That's something that he's been more vocal about this session than Dan Patrick, certainly something he's been more vocal about uh, than Joe Strauss has. Um, it's kind of funny. You look back at those stories we did in the middle of the session when he gave that speech in Corpus Christi. At the time, right. it kind of seemed like this random, you know, policy prescription. And it turns out it's kind of coming to fruition with the special session. Well, it's clear his idea of government is that, you know, yeah. a federalist government ought to put most of the national power in the states and the states give the power to the cities and counties and should, you know, keep most of it itself. So, you know, he wants a central government in Austin as opposed to one in Washington. Um, and so, a lot of these things down to trees. Right. right trees. In, in, in the Permitting. I mean, they're not things. sexy issues, but there are a whole lot of them. It's, right. Yeah. But those right, shouldn't yeah. be that that hard to pass. A $1,000 pay to... raise for teachers was the, I thought was the... And that's expensive. It's six or seven hundred million dollars it was, over it, a biennium. It was specific and it's expensive. Right. I mean, so how does this, a couple of different things I want to touch on here. So first of all, how does this play out? Like we know, as you said, a lot of Republicans don't even want a lot of this legislation. So uh, like forecast this. Let's say they get through, I mean, could the House drag its feet to uh, on passing the sunset bill and not touch this other stuff? Like, is there a way they could not get through these? First, many question, first question is, how do you want to do the sunset bills? If you want to do a sunset bill that says this is a safety net, it catches the five agencies that would otherwise expire. That's like a page and a half bill, bada bing, bada boom. Or you could say, you know, since we're here for 30 days, let's just go ahead and do the whole sunsets for each of these five agencies. Mm -hmm. So let's have a bill on the floor that does the Texas Medical Board and all of the amendments that that attracted, which was the reason that it failed during the regular session. And let's do it for each of these other four agencies in here. And that's not a bada bing, bada boom exercise. That's, you know, that's kind kind of a fight. But when you get into the Texas Medical Board's regulation of doctors and you know, which doctor can go. I mean, it literally goes to can, how far up a leg can a podiatrist go before a general prote- practitioner yeah. takes over, all those scope of practice things. That could take some time. Depends on how you how you approach it. I have a really basic process question. I've never been to a special session. One, can they, pre, can they actually get started on day one? Because it, in, in the normal session, they don't get started Until for like six months, days. right? Yeah, there's they not can a, pre-file there's not bills, a, and then they basically get to get rolling as long as it's on the call. Yeah, are there's committees not a, the same? There's not a sit-out. Mm-hmm. The committees are the same. You still have to go through the same process, though. So a bill is filed. 
um, read into the record, referred to committee. The same committee testimony, like the bathroom bill testimony, right. will have all those late nights all over again. Right. Right. right, so you you have to run the committee process again. But they in could the theoretically start hearing bills in committee day one, pass it you out can of do chambers. It. You can do it two. in the first hour. Yes, although so far only one bill is on the call. Yeah, you can. So, so that's they the can other start thing. Start day one with the sunset bill, but they can't start day one with the bathroom bill. Is, is you can my, file you bills can and you'll see bills filed that have nothing to do with these twenty items. Mm -hmm. um, but as those bills come up, if one of those bills comes up, it's out of order and subject to a point of order. Right, right. so. Um, so, but everything goes through the regular committee process in the House. It goes through the substantive committee and then the calendars committee in the Senate. It goes through a substantive committee and then through the intent calendar. Mm -hmm. All that stuff works the same. Right. But, I mean, but they don't have to pass everything that the governor requested. Correct. Right? They don't have to pass any of it. Right. They don't have to pass any of it. I mean, this has happened before. You know, when governors want stuff. Well, I don't think the medical board some, has ever been abolished before. Some, well, right. but, some, but sometimes they'll, you know, like, you know, if a governor wants something, Bill Clements fought for, I think, four special sessions to get workers' comp legislation mm -hmm. that he wanted and hit the wall three times mm -hmm. and then kept calling him back. School finance has gone through endless special sessions over the last 20 or 30 years, you know, but the only issues they can consider are the ones that the governor says are on the list. So, so let's take some questions from Facebook. A uh, question from Lorena. Did Abbott succeed in making the special session his own? I mean, we know that, you know, Dan Patrick had seemed to be sort of driving the narrative. Did Abbott reclaim it yesterday? I think, it, you know, short term, it's a political win for him. I think, you know, in some ways he, as Ross, you know, eloquently wrote the other day, kind of grabbed the, the spotlight back. Um, you know, I think there are some people who are just always going, you know, the, the perception that this is Dan Patrick's special session, that, that we're here as a result of Dan Patrick. I think that that was baked into the cake for some people long before yesterday's announcement. But I think Abbott did, you know, chip away at that narrative a little bit by flooding the zone yesterday with, you know, not just property taxes and bathrooms and sunset, mm -hmm. but, you know, uh, 16 or 17 other items, in including some items that, again, I'd point out, as I said earlier, that do have a, a very distinct distinct Abbott uh, theme to them. Right. Um, they're, right. they're kind of uh, policy uh, areas that he has kind of staked out on his own uh, over the in his short time as governor. So right. um, I think he, he did that in, you know, I think he did do that in some ways. And uh, Donna asks on Facebook, so assuming the legislature doesn't meet Abbott's list of priorities, is there going to be a, a second special, a third? You know, when would Abbott say uncle? I, I love this. I mean, my first, you know, he didn't take any questions yesterday, which right. seems to be the fashion of the day. Um, yes, press conferences. We go get to listen to these guys tape video news releases. Uh, anyway, the... Uh, had he had he taken questions, my first question would have been: Are any of these issues that um, you would call the legislature back for a special se for special session number two? Mm. If they don't get right, you know, the tree ordinance thing done, are you going to call them back? If they don't get the thousand dollar pay raise, are you going to call them back? Um, the only one yeah. we know is one of those issues is sunset. Right, because he hasn't specifically said that. Yeah, he got that. in his final closing remarks in the, yesterday. He got very close up to the the line of addressing <laughs> whether he would call a subsequent special mm -hmm. session for some of these issues or not. But he did not directly say it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's why that you know this is a short term political victory, but long term political uncertainty because he laid out an ambitious agenda. Lawmakers are going to expect him to play a role in seeing that agenda through, mm -hmm. and it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I'm doubtful that all every item is going to be acted on in one special session. It's going to be interesting to see what he and what lawmakers define as victory for him in one special session. Mm -hmm. I have another process question along those lines. How easy is it to 
to delay. I mean, you have 30 days. It seems like if you're if you're just an average lawmaker, set us, you know, not saying Joe Strauss or Dan Patrick, but you just another senator just with a an, pair of pink tennis shoes. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. how or do we expect to see a, a filibuster toward the end? When can you start chilling well, things to it, death? It, it depends start... on how quickly they get things out of committee, right? right? I mean, 30 days is not a long time. And as we have seen in previous special sessions, you know, you can drag things out. I mean, hell, they can drag things out during a regular legislative it, session. It goes by so fast. Right. It's, it's four know. quick weeks. And basically, the bulk of the work is done in, you know, generally like the third and fourth right. week. Will they work on Saturdays and Sundays from the beginning? Well, I mean, that's a that's a decision they make. Right. I mean, those days count. That's part of the thirty days. You know, right. to Patrick's point, there's a. Um, I, I think Patrick. I think Abbott set them up to fail. I think mm-hmm. there's no chance they pass twenty issues in thirty days, and I think he did it in a way that he's not going to be responsible for the failure. You know, if you don't but get a bathroom much? bill out of here, it's not my fault. I gave it to you. I gave mm-hmm. you thirty days. You guys messed it up. But it's, and and yeah. the danger yeah. for him was that it would be a single shot special session on something. He didn't want to fail on. I but mean, then it's just like, then we're then 30 what's days his later, power? and doesn't right. he have, he's under the same pressure again? To I, yeah. Along these lines, Joel asks on Facebook, how much of a political risk is it to load this session up so heavily? And I actually wonder, I mean, it is, you know, yes, he can say you guys didn't do what I set out as priorities, but also, like, what does it say about his leadership if he's loaded it up with 20 items and only one of them passes? I think to the average Texan, it'll always be a political win for him to be able to to say, oh, lawmakers didn't do their job, they didn't, you know, whatever. I think Mm -hmm. the average Texan, that's the resonant, uh, dominating argument if if they fail to act on all these items. Mm -hmm. It's always a layup, I think, for the governor to beat up on the legislature. But I think internally, in terms of his relationship with lawmakers, you know, that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, that's a conversation that, you know, sometimes here in Austin we're more focused on. But I think to the average Texan, it's, you know, politically, it's always a, you know, a layup to beat up on the legislature. Right. An- another way into this is, you know, the list of issues kind of favors Patrick. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of those are Patrick issues. But the fact that there's a list of issues that you're not going to pass all of them kind of favors Strauss. Mm-hmm. So, you right. know, he steps out of it. I think Patrick's right. You know, those schmoes is going to be the answer when you ask him what happened. Right. Um, one more question from Facebook before we move on. Um, uh, Chris says, Eric Johnson, state rep, tweeted last night about the possibility of House Democrats just not attending the special session. What are the odds? Could that even happen? Could they go to New Mexico? I think the odds are pretty low. Um, I, you know, they're, you know, this is one of those moments when you know the political rule is don't interrupt your opponent while they're in the process of committing suicide, and the Republicans are doing a pretty good job of making Republicans look bad right now. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, well, a reminder, if you're tuning in on Facebook, please post your questions in the comments, and we will try to get to them. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about where we ended up with the budget, Edgar. I mean, obviously, there are some things that are waiting for Abbott's signature. We know he, from last session, that he can actually use a line-item veto to, to knock some things out of the budget. Where did we end up with the budget, and, and you know, what's at stake as we sort of wait for his next move? Uh, yeah, I think it ended up as a pretty. Tr- I mean, it's the 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 untold story maybe of the legislative session, which was that the budget really ended up being quite a compromise, um, pretty much split. I mean, you can look. There's a handful of things where the House won. There's a handful of things where the Senate won. Or another way of looking at it is that everybody lost. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's a Kafka story all of a sudden. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I mean, so they they ended up with a with a budget that sort of cuts, I think, a lot of things, but not very deeply. So higher ed made it out relatively unscathed, you know, as opposed to what the universities were afraid of. Um, 
you know, there were no huge Medicaid cuts that had been sort of debated during the session. Of course, they didn't fully fund Medicaid, so next session, you know, it leaves open the possibility for cuts later, but at least for now. But they basically had a 24-month Medicaid budget and funded something short of that. Yeah. But they fully funded, like, the first 22 months or whatever it was. Yeah, I don't know the exact amount, but I, but I remember right. John Zerwas during the budget negotiations said they expected something like a billion-dollar shortfall when they come back. So, so in essence, they wrote the next supplemental budget bill. So when right. they come back right. in 19, they've got to fix it. Right. Um, what about things like border security, so other things, some, what some of the sort of high-profile things we followed this session? Yeah, border security was definitely a win for the Senate. Um, you know, so so in 2015, they passed $800 million over the biennium <clears throat> to, to station a bunch of troopers, you know, in the near the Texas-Mexico border. Um, to keep that up, they only needed something like $650 million, um, you know, that would have maintained the same number of troopers. But um, Dan Patrick and the Senate really pushed for another $800 million, which actually would have increased um, personnel. So, yeah, yeah there's going to be a bunch of new border hires. Even though, in theory, the federal government is supposed to be footing the bill for these kinds of things? Right. Yeah. I think it's interesting to see, somewhat interesting to see, both people like John Zerwas, who was at the mic when he was laying this out, and then also even Greg Abbott the other night just basically bluntly saying, we can't expect assistance from the federal government mm-hmm. yeah. uh, at this point yet, or yet at least. Um, and I don't, as far as maintaining the current funding level goes, politically, I don't think anyone wants to be <laughs> accused of reducing or being complicit at this point in reducing border security spending mm-hmm. in Texas. I think the political environment's still too fraught for right. being associated with right. that. And so we found out last session that the governor um, actually can, you know, just cross individual items out of the budget. It doesn't just have to be sort of an up or down signature. Have we gotten any indication from him at all if there, you know, are particular elements of the budget he finds untenable, areas where, you know, he might be able to use his pen and scratch some things out, or are we just waiting to see? We know he's looking for six to seven hundred million dollars if he's really serious about a thousand dollar per teacher pay raise in mm-hmm. Texas. Yeah. And we also know that they don't have six or seven hundred million dollars laying around. So if you wanted Either to do that or if he wants to tap the rainy day fund. Right. I mean, that right. Seems so like the, only so the rainy day fund is there. You could do that. Um, but, you know, the other way to raise that money is to or another way to raise that money is to make that many cuts. Right. Uh, and so we haven't heard anything from him yet. When do we, you know. Father's Day. Father's Day is basically the deadline. Yeah, that's the deadline. Last last two two years ago, I think they did mm-hmm. it on the Friday before. Mm-hmm. Um, that's off the top of my head. Okay. And no vetoes yet. Last time I checked. Right. And For- so we we did get some uh, high profile signatures from Governor Abbott this week, even though they kind of flew in under the radar. What did we see? There was one big one we were waiting for that we finally got word on yesterday. Yeah, he announced it during this press conference yesterday on the special session. He announced he had signed the texting while driving ban, which lawmakers, a group of lawmakers have been trying to pass for, I think, a decade or more. Mm-hmm. There's legislation um, that makes Evan Smith illegal. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. He's going to um, be an immediate violator. I yeah. think exactly. we're going to have and, to get the yeah. popo on him. But the, the way he handled it, though, was fascinating from a, a political perspective. He kind of buried the news in this press conference about the special session, ensuring that it wouldn't be the, the you know, the primary headline out of yesterday. Um, and he said, uh, at, basically in the same breath, he said, I, I still want lawmakers in the special session to uh, take up this issue of, of uh, 
I, I would describe it as more preemption of local mm -hmm. ordinances that deal with mobile device use while driving. It's like the ride-hailing bill, but for texting right. while driving. But is the issue that, like, I mean, is, it, is, is his rationale just to make it a uniform law across the state? Yeah, it's, so the, that, it's like, the patchwork argument. It's yeah, the argument yeah. that you shouldn't have to drive across, you know, for example, Travis County and have right. a different law in Austin than a different law yeah. in Georgetown. Right. And, so maybe that's preemption, but it seems actually like... If you're going to have a texting ban everywhere, you might as well have it the same, right? Well, that's the argument. That was yeah, the argument about the ride that's, hailing. That's been, that's, that's been the argument on texting for 10 years. Yeah, right. Yeah. Although, I mean, this, I do think he had to sort of couch it carefully because, again, you know, Rick Perry had vetoed this yeah. measure. So, yeah, and this yeah. time around, it didn't seem like the political debate around it was particularly heated. There mm -hmm. were a few conservative groups that were urging him to veto the, the texting while driving ban. Uh, but, you know, apparently it was still politically fraught enough mm -hmm. that he felt necessary to try to, you know, I wouldn't say bury it, but, you know, kind of not give it its own headline yesterday. Mm -hmm. This had the same, you know, sort of curve as a policy issue as driving while drunk, you know, which was um, surprisingly acceptable at one point, and then Mothers Against Drunk Driving and a couple of other groups over the years just kept hitting it and hitting it and hitting it, and we got to the DWI laws that we have yeah. now. Texting kind of took the same architecture. It was the, you know, how dare you interfere with my rights? I'm fine driving while I'm messing with my phone, blah, 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 and then you get to this point where, you know, when you start a session with a, a terrible bus crash in Uvalde as a marker and then, you know, the politics have changed. And I would just add, Abbott in a radio interview this morning drew that exact comparison when he was asked why he signed the texting while driving mm -hmm. ban. He, he drew somewhat of a parallel between the, right. the debate over the years over drunk driving versus what we have now with texting mm -hmm. while driving. Well, since you brought it up, um, let's talk about State Rep. Victoria Niave. We got uh, news this morning that she was arrested for allegedly driving under the influence last night. What do we know? Uh, we know that, you know, she... Um, hit a tree or a telephone pole in her car a tree. Yeah. around 11.30 that the arresting officers got there and um, she refused to take a breath test on scene and so they took her into the jail and she was to be arraigned this morning was the last thing I saw. Mm -hmm. She didn't do a breath test but she did have a little speech. Right. Yes. What was her speech? Anyone have it in front of them? So digging for Let it, him. digging, digging. <laughs> somebody, I don't want to get this one wrong. Somebody, I want to get was, the words exactly right. Somebody it was something. It was me. like, I love you, and I'll. She said to the cop, "I love I'll you, and I'll you. fight for you, and I am invoking my Fifth Amendment rights," which you know is a pretty good speech if you're going to have to give one under those circumstances. Um, but who, didn't this happen with this happened with another lawmaker a couple of years ago, and the outcome was not good? Correct. Uh, state rep, <laughs> a state rep who uh, yeah, yeah. clipped somebody on a bike, right? Yeah. Was it? Am I making this up? Was this it was Naomi, Naomi Gonzalez? Gonzalez. Well, I don't want to yeah. accuse someone of it. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's been a, there's been a Bobby back check us on this. There's a, there's yeah. a DWI arrest almost every session. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes you know you have yeah you know, somebody did hit someone on a bike. Um, um, but the person on the bike. Yeah, is, it was state okay. representative Naomi Gonzalez from a Democrat from El Paso in 2014 was sentenced to jail for 15 days in re in connection with a drunken driving crash right. in, in March 2013. 2013, right. That injured a, bic a bicyclist in, in South Austin. I thought I right. And she's not back in the legislature. No. I mean, this is obviously, I, I don't know if it, you, you know, know, obviously all this is alleged, yeah. alleged until it's not. But I mean, this well, we is, politically, damage. this is not, yeah. I mean, I think back on the, the, Rosem the Rosemary Lemberg case and just that video being so 
Right. Yeah, so it it depends on. It really depends on the next, you know, 24 hours or so. How this how this comes out. You know, how she apologizes. How the facts of this come out is, you know, it's a tox test. Is it was she drinking? Was it drugs? Was it, you know, um, you it's know, painkillers? Was it's it was it Tiger Woods? It could be subscription drugs. What? No, I'm yeah, I've got so many sarcastic comments. I'll keep it to myself. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's just such a competitive district. I right. I don't know. I mean, we're in the the midst of it right now. Mm-hmm. I guess it's too early sure. to predict, but it seems a little hard to come. This back was from. a this was a district I just checked right. that uh, Hillary Clinton won by nine points. Um, this past election cycle. But before that, it had been a, a relatively Republican district. Mitt Romney had, had won it by, I think, five points. Mm-hmm. McCain by a similar margin. It's been a battleground for um, a while, though. I mean, yeah. It is yeah. interesting yeah. that she's going to have an opportunity to come back before the legislature in the midst of all of this. The, I mean, and the danger of these things is always for a state, you know, for, I mean, these state officials aren't that well known. And now, you know, the risk is that you're best known for the worst thing that happened. Right. I mean, I remember so, Naomi yeah. Gonzalez coming to the, you know, back or coming to the front mic and and making a personal privilege speech after this happened, basically apologizing to her colleagues and to her constituents for it. Um, You know, those are pretty, um, those are pretty rough moments to have to do in front of your colleagues. I can imagine we would anticipate something like that if she's coming back. Yeah, and and politic, you know, going back to the politics of it, it's definitely unfortunate in the context of, you know, her emerging as a a rising star during the the regular session. I think she was named freshman of the the year. uh, Freshman Democrat of the year. Freshman Democrat of the year. She had the hunger strike around SB4. Right, exactly. Um, um, she got the um, the bill passed about um, uh, crowdfunding. Wasn't it her crowdfunding right. of rape kits that right. the state has notoriously underfunded? I mean, these were, and I, I believe that made it to Abbott. Um, yeah, that's on the governor's desk. Right. So you know, these she are, had the. This is a small thing, but she had the, the. I think she was the only Democrat, maybe, or one of a few Democrats, a successful amendment <laughs> to the sanctuary cities hmm. law to pr- uh, exempt. Places oh, of worship, ch- yeah, right? Churches, Which right. I remember that was a big moment within the context of it. Yeah. So anyway, lots of you know high-profile stuff on her plate. This is obviously not um, not good news. Right. Um, all right. Well, in our last uh, several minutes here, I I want to talk about about Joe Strauss and sort of the political place he finds him in now. I mean, before the call for a special session, we heard that he indeed is going to run for re-election. Um, you know, what does any of this uh, mean for him? I mean, is he politically in in a safe spot in a difficult spot? What um, uh, what are the tea leaves telling you? You know, I think this is a he's been speaker. He's in his fifth term as speaker. That ties the record set by Billy Clayton and Pete Laney. Um, he has said he wants to run for a sixth term. And the you know, the math of the House is in his favor. You know, the the, the Republican Party is split. Um, the big middle of the House, the moderate Republicans and the moderate Democrats, have been the ones that supported Strauss. And so to put it, you know, if, if those politics stay the same, you'd have to unite the very liberal members of the House with the most conservative members of the House and get them on the same candidate. That, that you know, basically protects the guy in the middle. Uh, the question is, after 10 years, are some of the people in the middle who would like to be speaker starting to stick their heads up? And I think the answer to that's yes. And they're doing it in subtle ways because they're mostly uh, Strauss allies. But if an opportunity presents itself, um, you know, uh, a slip in the leadership or something like that. There are a bunch of people who would love to have the job. So are you ready to name any names? That, yeah. Well, it's too early. I think it's too early to say that, you know, somebody's going to jump up and say, I want to be speaker, I'm running against Strauss. Mm-hmm. But, I, I, you know, I do think that there are probably, you know, 20 people in there, a dozen of whom you'd have to take semi-seriously. Uh, if Strauss mm-hmm. were to fall, who, who would stand up? And, mm-hmm. you know, you start with the speaker's lieutenants, mm-hmm. To some extent, you start with, you know, there's some dark horses in there, but um, 
it's got to come from the same middle. It's got to come from, I would think, the moderate end of the Republican Party or that candidate's not going to get any Democratic mm -hmm. votes. It's hard, how, to, hard yeah. to get somebody in a split Republican Party right now. How he navigates the special session will be will be fascinating. I mean, um, I don't know if this was the intent, but it, this seems like this was an agenda that Abbott laid out that was almost designed to like politically isolate moderate Republicans, people who are, uh, you know, as epitomized by Joe Strauss in some ways. And so. Right. Well, and we know he's been no fan of the bathroom bill. I mean, you know, or but he has a House version with almost half of the House signed on as co-authors, right? Basically, right. gone on the record saying the House will not do anything beyond what the Patty Amendment mm -hmm. was, which was effectively less than HB 2899, which is what I mean, you're he's drawn to. a line in the sand. Well, and there's a relatively easy way out of that problem. You can just, you know, the House can pretty easily come in and just say, you know, we're going to send to the Senate the bills we sent them in the regular session. And mm -hmm. here's the one on bathrooms. And here's the one which on property taxes. And right. here's the one on, I mean, they had versions of all of these bills that they can send over. It's mm -hmm. when you get into to turf that, you know, does uh, what you're going to test in this session is, are, is there any friction between... Joe Strauss as the leader of the House and the members who elected him. Mm -hmm. Is he properly representing the members who put him there and properly protecting them? To the extent that he is, he's a safe guy. And to the extent that he's got problems there, then he's got problems with the speakership. It was interesting that his statement only mentioned school finance. Strauss's statement. Right. right. Yeah, right. And, and school finance and other issues. And his <laughs> statement at the end of the regular session right. on bathrooms was really strong. I mean, it basically talked about, you know, mental health and like not wanting to put kids in the, that particular situation. I mean, I, I thought that was to, to come out and allow something to pass that goes further than what he said was basically his limit. I, you know, I think, I don't know, he's, you know, like I said, he's drawn a line. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think they're going to, I think, you know, the safest path for the House in this thing. And frankly, the path that the, the Senate's going to take, too, is they're going to retrace their steps. And we're going to, at some point in this session, come to some version of the standoffs we had at the end of the regular session and see if there's a different result this time. You're going to have this version of a bill on the House side, that version on the Senate side. I'd be surprised on something like bathrooms if either version was different mm -hmm. from what we ended the regular session in. Yeah. Um, a question from Facebook. Could, uh, could Strauss basically get through the must-pass bill and then adjourn the House, Sonny die? Yes. Would he? No, nah, that's kind of provocative. You know, I think that's, you know, that's asking your members to take a bullet. Mm -hmm. It'd be fun. I mean, it'd be great drama, and it's a, you know, great Frank Capra moment or something, but, you know, I'd... <laughs> <laughs> or Jerry Buck and Bruckheimer. Yeah. All right. I want to try to. You want. I want to try to run through some of these. We have a lot of questions on Facebook, so these are going to be your Cliff's Notes answers, guys. Uh, Sarah asks, "How? In what way will education be a part of special session?" Well, school finance and a thousand dollar pay raise for school teachers finance come and, up. and vouchers, and it's really all the biggest right, issues. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. How much money will a special session cost? Donna wants to know. To between eight hundred thousand and one point two million, depending on who's doing the counting. Robbie asks, um, Mayor Turner of Houston has urged, encouraged Houstonians to go to Austin to lobby for the undoing of SB4. Is that even possible? That's the Sanctuary Cities ban. No. No. That's it's interesting because it's so late call. in the game, right? Wasn't, Sorry? wasn't Turner taking flack for being so late to comment on SB4? Yeah, a little it's bit. an interesting he turnaround, been, yeah. yeah. But it's not on the, it's not it's on the not agenda, yet. so it's, it's point right. of order. Uh, and then last, uh, Robert asks, how can lawmakers uh, push for increased spending in the special session with their property tax deal changes? Well, you can spend money from uh, available funds if there are any. The uh, I'd have to go back and look at the certified budget that Glenn Hager signed. I think he said $11 million was left, something like that. 
Not much money left there. I was on vacation. You could go to uh, the Rainy Day Fund, or you can write a supplemental bill that takes money from the budget they just finished writing from some, you know, take money from something and put it towards something. Um, there are ways. All right. Well, we have a lot to sort of look forward to, and we'll get to um, opine on this a lot in the weeks and the six weeks leading up to the special. Uh, if you like listening to the Tribcast every week, please do us a favor and leave us a review on iTunes. Those ratings help us reach more listeners like you. And if you support the Tribune's nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom, please consider making a donation at support.texastribune.org. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for our music. And on behalf of Edgar, Patrick, Ross, and our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. 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 Texas talking.